Don Michelle and Glenn Drennan of the veteran rock band Fireflight have joined The Antidote. So good to have you guys here. Oh, it's awesome to be here. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Since it's you two that are here for this talk, it's obvious you're the most important band members. It's obvious. <laughs> I'm going to go with that as well. I'll tell the others, though. <laughs> yeah. What about telling us your position in the band and who we're missing? Well, I uh, play guitar for the band, and uh, we are missing my wife, Wendy. She plays bass, and uh, our lead guitarist, Justin. And I, Don, I sing. I've seen Fireflight described as having a passion for singing anthems for young people about the issues they face on a day-to-day basis. Is it really as simple as that? Well, <laughs> that's really an incredible statement. Yeah. Um, I, I would endeavor for it to be true. And I think that as far as simplicity goes, we write from experience. And so there's nothing simple about life <laughs> and the things, ups and downs that we go through and the things that, you know, all young people face and people of every age face. So it's definitely not simple, but it is true. I would agree with that, man. Just, uh, a lot of life in the last 20 years of this band and uh, just writing from the heart and, and also just writing from not only our experiences, but the fans and the people that we come into contact with, just the real stories there, the real heart that's there. And we try to put that a little bit in, of that into everything that we, we do when we write. That's just kind of what comes out. I want to get into the new Fireflight album, Who We Are, shortly. But first, I'd like to go way, way back to your debut, which is probably the most mistitled album ever, 2002's Glam Rock. (laughs) What kind of a statement were you making with that release? Oh, man, I think we we just didn't even know what we were doing. So, I mean, that's clearly that's what came through in that, but... Uh, we were just a bunch of young kids having fun and just being silly and, uh, you know, just trying to find ourselves musically and, you know, who we were as a band. And yeah, that's, that's pretty much just sums it up really. But what about the intention of the band? Was it the same then as it is now? Yeah, I think that the intention of the band has always been the same. Um, just writing from the heart just trying to tell people about Jesus the best way that we possibly can, even then in our ignorance and in our ignorance now, just trying to write about what we know and our experiences. I think it's always kind of been that way. You know, I think that every band goes through a learning curve, and obviously Fireflight learned fast. I mean, it wasn't long after Glam Rock that you guys had huge hits like You Decide for Those Who Wait and Unbreakable. But that also brings up another point. You've stated that you're a Christian band. So I'd like to hear from you. Should Christians seek success? What do you think, Don? Um, well, I guess it's a pretty broad question. I think if your goal is to share the message of God's love with as many people as possible, um, obviously to be successful in doing that would be our greatest dream and our greatest honor. And so I think for us, um, from the beginning, we felt like God was calling us out onto a platform to where many could hear 
what we had to say. And we just hoped that what we were saying would be worth listening to. And so I think seeking success for ambition's sake, obviously, won't bring you much joy in the long run or really substance, you know, for your heart. But if what you're seeking is for God's glory and for the encouragement and the love of others, then I think that being successful in doing that would be, you know, your greatest goal. So um, I guess it depends on your intentions uh, when it comes to seeking success. But for us, I think that success meant something bigger than we could ever have expected um, in our short-sightedness. But in the end, you know, now looking back on this long journey that we've been on, even though it's not like any of us have won the lottery and living in the lap of luxury by any means. However, we measure success by the number of lives that we've impacted for the better. And for that, I think we can all look back and be really proud and thankful to be a part of this project. You just need enough financial success to be able to get you out of that 1997 Honda Civic. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you need enough success to be able to have a reliable vehicle so you can get from one show to the next (laughs) and able to pay your rent and your bills and your cell phone and your insurance and all that so that you don't have to quit and go, you know, back into retail. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's the key is just defining like what is the definition of success? Like what is your definition of success? And I think... Ours has always been to just be able to just love on people and just try to express truth as best we possibly can. Um, And fortunately, we have been very fortunate to have been successful um, in that area. Now, when it comes to finances and monetary gain, I, I would venture to say probably not, but we have been blessed enough. Um, and successful enough to to continue to do things for for a long time. Well, here's something else that's important for us to talk about, because there's a constant with Fireflight that comes up with every release, and that's Don Michelle brings out a new hairstyle. <laughs> Don, how many have there been? You know, at one point, one of our fans had created a collage, uh, almost like a bingo board. With squares and every square was a different hairstyle of Don Michelle. <laughs> I would have to go back and count the squares to know for sure. Um, but a greater portion of my career has been spent with two different colors of hair. So that's kind of like a constant. <laughs> and and yet I've changed again. So I, I don't really remember. But if we sat here, I might be able to count it up on a couple of hands. <laughs> well, here's the Here's the thing. Glenn Drennan has had just as many hairstyle changes <laughs> as Don Michelle has, but no one seems to care about that. <laughs> I think more. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Glenn, how many hair colors have you gone through? Um, not colors. Just the one. Just yeah. the one. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty boring in that aspect. <laughs> Over the years, Fireflight's music has gone through changes. Do you think it's important for an artist's music to evolve? Uh, I think, um, you know, obviously with us being artists for a long time, I think it's only natural to try to press boundaries as much as you can artistically. Otherwise, you just kind of feel like you're you're kind of putting out the same album every time. Um, and whether or not that that is what people want from you, at some point, you just want to push it a little bit different if you can. Now, I also understand that sometimes there's people there, they kind of get frustrated by that when you try to push those boundaries. But 
when you push those boundaries, it's kind of easier for you to see where home base is, if that makes sense. But then again, you're, uh, you're able to kind of still incorporate a lot of those things back into your home base. So I do feel like it's important for artists to continually trying to grow their craft. I've always been curious why Fireflight didn't go into the mainstream. Obviously, the band could have made a big impact there also. Yeah, I think I think when stuff like that happens, it's it's kind of like an organic thing and I think just things didn't line up specifically. I mean, you know, we had Christian management, we were on a Christian label, um, Christian booking agency. And, you know, we did have some success um, in, in general market or mainstream, if you will. Um, but I just think there's, a, there's just a lot of things that have to line up properly for those things to happen. And they didn't necessarily fall that way for us. But in saying that, we still do have quite a large following of people that are not believers. And we love that just as much. That's cool. Because certainly isn't that what every artist wants? Sure. Yeah. Back to that point I was bringing up about changes. The reason I brought that up was your previous release in Nova was quite different. It was very synth-based. Was that a stretch for you? Um, it was. It was different for us, but I think, well, people who are lovers of music they tend to kind of go through phases and they stretch and they grow and they're, you know, listen to one type of music a lot at first and they might um, start listening to other styles, you know, for a time, things like that. And so with us, we felt ourselves, you know, being more attracted to different styles of music at that time. And, and honestly, thinking back, even at the time in the market, you know, it was a difficult time for rock music. And we had three producers on that album I mean, of all the producers that we talked to, most of them said, you know, we're not interested in rock music right now. It's kind of an interesting time. And we obviously were historically, you know, very pure rock band. We are big fans of all kinds of music. And, you know, it gave us a chance to kind of push our own boundaries and to grow into new things and experiment and things. And, and, we, and we made an album that we loved, truly. And though it was kind of different stylistically than what we had done before, it was still true to heart in the message. And it was our hope that, you know, here we are, hopefully able to appeal to even more people, kind of, by having, you know, piqued the interest of other people who may not have checked out Firefly before. And I think even though it was a departure from where we had been before and, and kind of disappointed some of our, of our classic um, fans, a lot of our fans did enjoy it as well. And I do think kind of it helps to, like, even in a song, you know, you're always looking for dynamics. And in a career, I think dynamics can be important as well because, you know, if you change things up a little bit, it allows you to go somewhere new the next time, even if you do, like Glenn spoke of earlier, head more towards home base. I like that Fireflight is comfortable enough in themselves that you don't mind to point fingers at our first world society. Because that came up on your 2018 single, Die Free. You care to explain? Yeah, I think, um, you know, kind of going back to what we were talking about before, we just kind of, we just write about experiences, you know. We write about things that we see in ourselves, things that we see in in society. And um, 
you know, die free can be just as much thought of as kind of, you know, even pointing the finger even at, at ourselves and some of our thoughts and some of our kind of the tendencies that we ourselves even have and kind of just trying to point those things out even within our, our own thoughts and minds just as much as it is might be pointing um, fingers at society because we can all fall into those kind of kinds of trappings, seeking success, seeking fame, money, wealth, power, all of those kinds of things. Um, so yeah, I mean, anytime we write a song and there might be a couple of those types of songs on who we are as well, but anytime we write a song that might be considered to be pointing fingers, a lot of times we kind of like consider ourselves to be the ones being pointed at as well. Um, and we're just trying to call attention to that within ourselves. I have seen that on the new release. And I guess really that's what we're here to talk about tonight is who we are. I'm not sure if you're calling the album a concept album, but you have split it into two parts, the hand and the heart. Are you trying to send a certain type of message? Well, I think with, you know, with the title being who we are, there's definitely two main parts and that being the, you know, the head, our thoughts, life, and our heart, our emotional life. And the two can sometimes kind of be at war with each other, so to speak. But they live together. And if we can get them to the point to where they are cohesive, um, that's kind of like where you find that true peace and meaning in life, to where you're not kind of at war with yourself. So earlier I mentioned about the band Pointing Fingers. That happens again on the title track, Who We Are. The song lyrics say, We've been apathetic, we've been hiding too long, stuck in automatic like nothing is wrong. Wake up, our time is coming. We're knocking at the walls. Maybe it's up to you guys to tell us, what does it take to change? Well, you know, I think with, you know, going back to us being believers, I think with us taking a stance as far as we really believe that Jesus you know, not through politics, as powerful as those things are in our society, um, not through media in general, not through fame. We really feel like the thing that's going to solve a lot of the issues is having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, we, and not like we ever really want to shove that down people's throats, but that is kind of where we're coming from with that. And it's not necessarily like a call to action song as much as it might seem that way but it's more about like this is truly who we are this is truly what we're about it's not about being militant we just really want to tell people that there is hope there is love you know all of those kinds of things because who we are is God's children, you know, and it's almost just returning to, you know, return to our creator to find our purpose and to find value in and of ourselves. So ultimately, it's a call to reclaim your birthright and to find the intrinsic value that comes with that. The more that we learn, you know, who we are, who our creator is, what's important to him, um, we're important to him, and all of his children are important to him. And these are the themes, I think, that are the most powerful 
system in the universe that can beckon to all of us to love ourselves and to love others well. And by doing those things, we can, you know, find comfort and a lot of healing for the struggle that we find ourselves in <laughs> living on this earth. Well, something else that's going to tie into this, I think, is what's been happening in media. We've been hearing lies coming from politicians and these constant stories of quote-unquote fake news. People are starting to doubt everything that they hear. So what is that going to do for Christians who are trying to convince non-believers about God's love? I think it really beckons us off of the internet. We're living on the internet so much these days, you know. We are experiencing our relationships and our friendships, and some of that can't be helped due to social distancing. But we're experiencing life through this lens of social media and the internet. And we're no longer, you know, knowing who our neighbor is or knowing if they have any problems or if they need any help, <laughs> you know. So people can't deny what's in their face. And if we are no longer just kind of living this separate life from each other, you know, with this separation, we could come together in community. There's really no denying what the truth is and they can see it, you know. Because it, it's not just words anymore when you're at the front door with a bag of groceries or you're picking someone's kids up you know, from school because they can't leave work or, you know, you're offering a shoulder or whatever it is that people need in their time of need. And I think we live in a disposable society and we really treat people as something you can throw away, especially if things get messy. And all we do is try to isolate ourselves and um, separate ourselves from discomfort as much as possible. And we get less and less connected to each other because human beings are very messy. <laughs> and so, um, I think that the way that we can, you know, step out of the fake news is to, you know, love thy neighbor. You can change people's lives all around you just by being a part of their lives. Well, you know, Don, what you were just saying, I think comes up in Keep Your Head. Because for me, I find it easier to interpret the song as reflecting on COVID changing our lives. <laughs> or is that just coincidental? <laughs> It's just coincidental. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> because we wrote it before. <laughs> yeah. Literally, this whole record was written before any of this stuff that we're going through has happened. So it's pretty incredible, the timing of uh, what's going on. Do you think the album would have been different if you were writing it during COVID? Oh, man. I don't know that it would have been more than ever. Like, these specific things are in our face. There's always something, right? There's always something some struggle there's always some disaster there's always some unfortunate thing so i'm not sure that it would have been that different and it's funny you say that about keep your head up because when this stuff you know started happening and our record wasn't ready to be released yet i'm sitting here thinking every day man i wish our record was out right now so that people could be hearing these songs right now and and really kind of like getting some hope from these things that, that we were talking about, you know, a year, two years ago. Some of the lines I was thinking about, like, as the road gets harder, it only makes you stronger. In your darkest hour, when life beats you down, I'll carry you. When you find you're on the edge, I'll hold you tight. This is really what we all want. We want to yeah. hug other people. We can't do that, but we know right. that God is there for us. That's why it just seemed to be so apt. 
what's funny is that like Glenn was saying, you'd be like, man, this is the perfect time for this. But gosh, as this continues to stretch on, <laughs> maybe there's a reason why it didn't come out yet. Because yeah. gosh, we thought it couldn't get any worse. But as it continues to stretch on, perhaps it can. <laughs> we saved it for later. <laughs> not that we want things to be worse for the purpose of our record. But, Obviously you know. Obviously <laughs> not. I'm just yeah. saying, as they are getting worse, maybe that's why it didn't come out yet. Yeah. We still have something to look forward to. <laughs> Don, I have to bring this up because it's probably come up in every single interview you've ever had. You have a tremendous voice. Is that a natural thing or is this also voice training? Um, I, I've definitely had a lot of vocal training through the years, thank God. Um, most of it has been kind of unlearning more than it was learning, though. You know, I've always loved to sing since I was a little girl and I sing in talent shows growing up. Um, in my elementary school and things like that, but then really kind of stepped away from singing a lot until in high school when I um, joined a church and actually started following God. And then I started singing again in church. And it was at a Christian service for my graduating class is actually where the band kind of saw me sing a more contemporary song for the first time. And I guess is really what kind of led them towards approaching me about being the singer for the band. Um, but singing is really, I always say it's like 85% confidence and the rest is talent. And surely you've met some people who really only had 15% uh, talent, but had that 85% confidence and they just pulled it off. <laughs> <laughs> but you can have 85% talent and not enough confidence and not be able to do it at all. And so um, for me, it's been a long journey of um, trying to step into, I guess, the natural giftings that God has given me. And at the same time, get out of my own way, get out of my own head and stop hindering myself with my fear because our fears manifest themselves physically so much in our in our bodies and every aspect of our life and um and it's just so easy to be controlled by that and so um i've been blessed enough to have several really incredible coaches who've spoken into my life and as i've done a little bit of coaching for others i've really come to figure out how much vocal coaching is really like therapy <laughs> and <laughs> you're kind of just talking to people off the ledge and getting them to believe in themselves and it sets their voice free so the biggest lessons i've learned throughout the years have just been you know to quit trying to be in control and quit freaking out and um and just look to god and just step into his arms you know as you step out there on stage and that will be the thing that helps your propel your voice forward well you raised an interesting point and this might come across as being a sexist question uh-oh i think <laughs> a lot of women who have a strong singing voice try to tone it back down because it's frowned upon is that true? I don't know. That's an interesting question. And I wonder how much of it is as a subconscious effort. You know, for us, it was kind of a different journey being in a rock band. There are not a lot of female rock singers, whether it be mainstream or Christian. You know, when me and Wendy would be setting up the merch table, which was just simply because uh, we didn't have to do the worst heavy lifting. <laughs> um, <laughs> people always assumed we were just the band wives and Wendy was a band wife. <laughs> But we also were in the band. Um, and so um, there definitely, you know, some stigmatism out there and all that. So I guess I would always maybe feel like I needed to be tougher, if that makes sense. And, you know, really try to be more masculine, I guess, maybe in my delivery and things like that. 
like I would get tired of listening to too many female fronted acts in a row. Like when we were driving down the road in the van, I'd be like, gosh, another female singer. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, the day before we would have listened to every song would have been a male singer the entire time. And I never even noticed it. <laughs> so it's so, such a strange thing um, to navigate. But I do remember when I first felt God called me into music um, at the time I was in a church where the only option for me to go into Christian music would be, you know, to sing in the choir. It wouldn't have been an option for me to lead in music in a church, you know, in the leadership role and all that. And so I didn't know where God was going with this whole calling to sing. And then he opened the doors and, and showed me Fireflight. So it's definitely been a journey. You know, there's another song from Who We Are that I want to ask about. Part of the lyrics of Welcome to the Show says, Lift your hands if you're looking for a show. Did you come to hear what you already know? Are you looking for some comfort? Let me entertain you. Then later on, a key line comes up. Self-indulgence is why you've come, riding high on your emotions. So it raises a question, what Fireflight is doing? Is it entertainment or is it actually ministry? Uh-oh, Don, he's asking us the hard questions now. <laughs> Getting into the, the deep part of the interview. <laughs> Go for it, Glenn. <laughs> yeah, I th- oh, you so, passed the so buck, to, So to answer your question, um, I personally have always kind of honestly struggled with that line. You know, if you've ever been around our band at any point, hopefully what you've gotten from us is we really don't love self-promotion. We really love just hanging out with people. Hopefully who we are, no pun intended, really shines through when you meet us, when you talk to us. So that's always been a hard line for me as far as being entertainment. Yes, there absolutely is an element of entertainment to what we do, but hopefully people will see more of the of the purpose of why the entertainment more than just strictly the entertainment part of it. So then as for faith itself, is faith intellect or is faith running on emotion? I personally think it has to be both. You know, I think to have faith, you have to kind of believe in what you're having faith in to begin with. I think that starts with abiding. I think that starts with Bible study, with prayer, with seeking wisdom, seeking knowledge, and all of those things. And I think whenever you're able to come to the point when you have gained that knowledge, I think that it, it does walk hand in hand with that faith, with that hope, with that emotion. But it can't strictly run on emotion. You know, you can't you can't explain what you believe strictly through emotion. You, there has to be something tangible there that people can relate to. Here's a last thought. Following either your heart or your head has always been a dilemma. Which one is the right one? I think I kind of touched on this last response. I think, to me, faith is reality. If you look at your life, you're experiencing it not only through your eyes, but also through your emotions. The way you experience everything that you see is through the lens of your heart. And you can walk into the same situation as someone else and interpret it completely different. And all the time, especially in relationships, everyone can remember a time when they said something 
And the person who was listening took it completely different than they had intended it. <laughs> and they're like, what now? <laughs> and it's that way, I think, with faith and with life, that they're almost one and the same altogether simultaneously. And so for me with faith, my reality is how my emotions are experiencing what's happening around me. And it all is inseparable. And so I think with the head and the heart, even though we have separated them into two different sections, I think we kind of, we waffle in between whether or not we are, you know, trying to figure something out with all of our, the ability of our intelligence and whether, and when we're trying to live through something with all the turmoil of our emotions and our woundedness and our healing and the things that have happened before and the things that we're afraid of happening in the future. And so I I don't think that one can be more important than the other, because if you turn one of them off, you get incredibly out of balance. You know, it's like the spokes of a wheel. When one is too short, you have, you know, a wicked shimmy that happens that (laughs) throws everything off and you'll see it happening all over. You can find many people who, who completely rely on their intellect and have no ability to process and live in their emotions and something it comes out somehow in a negative way and you meet other people who are 100% driven by their emotions and lord knows it's a train wreck 24/7 so um you've got to have them both they're both equally important and they both have to have their time or things won't be right you two really do have all the answers don't you <laughs> Not even close, I'm so man. Glad for a platform. <laughs> it's all those years of experience. Oh man. If only, right? If only. <laughs> only because you learn from your mistakes. So <laughs> yeah. of these we are the greatest. <laughs> you know, this has been great. I want to thank you two so much for coming for this talk with the antidote. Oh, oh, thank absolutely. you so much. Our pleasure. <laughs>